Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. It tries to lead us through a more nuanced perspective of the flood that the most greatest thing at all is that anybody actually survived, that there is a remnant in light of how bad and how catastrophic sin was and how much we had corrupted this world, that God found a remnant. It's amazing what you can discover when you really take the time to dig deep into Scripture. And that's exactly what today's guest did. We're joined today by Dustin Burlett. He recently put a book together. It's called Judgment and Salvation, a rhetorical critical reading of Noah's flood in Genesis. He says that the arc of salvation within the flood narrative can be broken down into two main ideas. And today in Connections, Dustin will share those ideas with us. Our guest today is an instructor at Miller College of the Bible, located in the north end of Winnipeg. He also recently wrote a book about Noah's flood. His name is Justin Roulette. Well, let's start by getting to know you a little bit better. You're Dustin. You're from Manitoba. You're an instructor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you very much, Colleen, for being willing to have me on the show. I am from Manitoba, but actually I'm originally from Alberta. It's my wife who's Manitoban. She's a Mennonite, and I always make the joke that you know who a Mennonite is because they eat what they can and they can what they can't. And so, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. So my wife and I met at Providence Theological Seminary where we were uh, both in school together. She has a Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology, and she works at Oakville Wellness Center. I happen to work at Miller College of the Bible in the North End by uh, Youth for Christ. What is it about that theology that really drew you in and really made you want to go down that path? I never knew that I wanted to be a theologian when I was growing up. I was raised as a farm kid, and so I always thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life working with hogs or cows or chickens or whatever. But when I, when my sister went to Bible college, she went to Bible college at Peace River Bible Institute. This is in northern Alberta, north of Grand Prairie, about five hours north of Edmonton. It began to really shape and impact her life. And then my cousin went to Bible college. And I thought, this is something very significant. And so when I went to Bible college, it made an impact on my life, too. And when I was a student there, I was encouraged to become a, a teacher. And so I went off mm. for further training. And eventually, here I am. What was your faith like leading into all of this to begin with? Oh, I've been very, very blessed to come from a faith-based family. So when I was growing up, some of my favorite memories are my mom would be leading worship at the front of the church with my aunt with her guitars. My grandma would be on the keyboard or on the piano. And my dad and I would be holding the hymn book together singing. And those are some of my fondest memories as a child. So I can never not remember being part of the faith. So it just keeps going and going. You mentioned Miller College of the Bible. Tell us a little bit about that and how that all came to be for you. Well, Miller has three different schools. The one's in British Columbia at Sunnybrae. Another one, their flagship school is in Saskatchewan. And this is actually a startup program, and it only began uh, running with students last year. So last year I was an adjunct faculty an adjunct faculty member, my wife and I had actually moved from Hamilton, Ontario. So I spent the last six years prior to moving to Manitoba at McMaster Divinity College, where I earned my terminal degree, a PhD in Old Testament, where I studied Noah's Flood. So we just moved two years ago, and that was for work-related purposes. My wife wanted a, a job and to be closer to family. All of her family live here in Manitoba, basically in southern Manitoba. And so when we moved from Hamilton to uh, Winnipeg, I didn't have a job. 
and I didn't know what I was going to do. Now, I knew that the Lord would provide, and I knew that the Lord had a way, but then, lo and behold, I discovered Miller College of the Bible was offering a startup program, and uh, their first class that they were ever going to teach was on Genesis. And so I actually invited myself to be a guest speaker on the flood, and Arnie Armstrong, he's their academic dean, uh, their dean of education, said, oh, I would love to have you as a guest speaker. And after that, I became an adjunct faculty. And now this year, I'm a permanent faculty member. That's a great story of how things came to be. Now, you mentioned Noah's Flood. You mentioned Genesis. You recently wrote a book about all of this. Tell us a little bit about that and why you decided to do that. That's right. So my book is called Judgment and Salvation. And I actually was inspired uh, to get the title of that through a creation museum that's uh, located close to Blumenord, actually. It's a taxidermy, and he had this great big uh, model of the Ark uh, that he had created, and he said that the title was Judgment and Salvation. Now, my dissertation focus was on Genesis Flood, and I called it uh, something else. But when we revised it for publication, I thought that that title, Judgment and Salvation, was the most appropriate title. Now, the origins of my dissertation or the origins of this book actually stem from way back when I was young. I used to spend most of my growing up years and most of my summers at Circle Square Ranch in Halkirk, Alberta. So 100 Huntley Street and David Mains were a very large part of my life. And every week we would have a talk on creation. Now, Alberta is very well known for dinosaurs. It's very well known for science. And so one of the things that I did was I became very heavily interested in the whole idea of how fossils and faith work together and how the age of rocks can help us better understand the rock of ages. Now, there was different people who were influential in my life at that time, but I didn't know that it was ultimately going to lead to a book that helped us to learn more about God and how great and how good he is through the flood when I was six years old. But that's the origins of the story. Judge, judgment and salvation. Why judgment and salvation? Well, all too often when a person reads the flood story, they get overwhelmed with the devastation. They get overwhelmed with the catastrophic nature of the flood. Sometimes it's even to the point where you wonder what hope is there. But what my book does is it goes through verse by verse and what you begin to do is you begin to say, is this verse related to redemption and salvation and how God tried to move people through the flood? Or is this about judgment and wrath? In other words, it tries to lead us through a more nuanced perspective of the flood that the most greatest thing at all is that anybody actually survived, that there's a remnant in light of how bad and how catastrophic sin was and how much we had corrupted this world, that God found a remnant. What was the biggest thing that you discovered through all of this and through studying Noah's flood? I think the biggest thing that I discovered is no matter how great our sin is, God's grace is greater. No matter how bad we think it is, there's nothing that God won't go through to find a way to save his people and to find a remnant. How did this impact your own faith when you were looking into Noah's flood and everything surrounding it? 
Well, not to put too fine a point on it, but one of the biggest things that it affected me on was I got very convicted about how my own walk with Jesus was and my own spiritual faith. I discovered I wasn't very much like Noah, who heard God's voice and obeyed to the nth degree. I discovered there's a bit of a disconnect at times between what the Lord has called me to do and what I actually do do. And so one of the first things that happened to me was I got convicted. How did that impact you moving forward and with everything else in life and everything with your faith? What ended up happening was after I got convicted, it was like, thank you, Lord, for the grace that you have given me, because irrespective of my own inadequacies, you are greater, you are stronger, and you have provided a way for me in light of even, because I recognize that I'm not Noah. I'm a very sinful individual, much like many other people will recognize the more they self-examine themselves. I deserve to have been swept away by the flood. But by the grace of God, I was redeemed and I was saved. And it makes me very thankful for the cross of Jesus and for the good news of the gospel. Why is it so hard for many of us to understand, to look at that story and to see this side of things? I'm not entirely sure, but I think one of the controversies that does arise is there's a lot of questions around science and faith and whether the beaker and the Bible can be in conflict with each other in harmony. I think that that's one element that sometimes draws people away from a different perspective of the flood story. But I also think that sometimes, for me personally, slowing down and actually examining the text so thoroughly helped me to come to a more clear picture of it. So sometimes I fear what happens is we read things so quickly that we might not fully be able to absorb its true message and impact. And the more that I slowed down, the more the clarity of the flood became clear. When it comes, you mentioned science, you mentioned faith. That is very controversial, um, especially is with our listeners. But is there a way that these two things can work together in our faith? I do believe that ultimately when the Bible is rightly interpreted and understood, one of my favorite phrases is to uh, make sure that context is king, context is everything. But I believe that when you rightly interpret the word of God and when you rightly interpret uh, uh, science, in other words, God's word and God's world will never be in ultimate conflict with each other. So if there does seem to be some kind of discrepancy, it's often important to re-examine, have I rightly interpreted scripture? Or have I possibly misinterpreted science? Or is there a pre-understanding issue? Sometimes we all come with cognitive biases or a pre some uh, uh, presuppositions or a preset of understandings. And those can be very challenging to work through as well. And sometimes it becomes, uh, this is the way that I was raised or this is how I've been taught. And sometimes it can be difficult to allow uh, a new perspective or a new way of thinking to enter into our lives and minds. Who are you hoping is going to pick up this book? Are you are you targeting it towards scholars, to academics, to theologians, or is this for anybody out there? Well, that's a good question, because though I would like everybody to be able to pick up the book and understand it, the truth is not everybody will be able to appropriately respond, because some people don't have the same theological or technical training. I do know this, however. The introduction to the book and the conclusion of the book, everybody can pick up and everybody can understand and like all good authors, hint, hint, wink, wink, I try to make the main points in those two chapters. So I try to make those key parts as accessible for everybody. What would you say is the biggest misconception? I know we've talked about it a little bit overall when it comes to Noah's Flood and 
maybe that whole situation in the Bible. I think that the biggest misconception is that God is not for us. We have this misconception that God is against us. But when I look at the flood, I really see the view that God is, in fact, for us and not against us. And that the flood is actually a picture of how great God's lengths are to redeem his people in the midst of a sin that wants to bring death and destruction. What's up next for you? Are you going to dig deep into any other portions of the Bible, any other scripture? you have any other plans moving forward? My next plans moving forward are to look at more of the New Testament perspective of the flood, how Jesus uses it, how the book of Peter uses it, and then also a few other aspects of how the rest of the Old Testament looks at the flood. So I want to flesh that out a lot more. I also want to continue to teach, and I want to continue to help people grow in their faith and grow in their understanding of God's Word. That's a real passion of mine as well, so I want to continue to do that. Uh, Any more books for you in the works? Uh, Well, what I just mentioned would be one of those. So, you know, maybe roughly 100 pages to the Old Testament, maybe roughly 100 pages to the New Testament. That would be what would make up the next substance in my book. At the end of the day, for those who are not theologians and those who are not academics, what do you hope they're going to take away from this message? I hope that what they can take away from this message is reconsider the gospel, reconsider the Bible, and reconsider that there's actually good reason to lean into it and to trust it. It's not some dry, dusty book. It can actually make a difference in your life, and it can actually change your view of God. It's very interesting, what, like you said, you read the scripture like, well, that's a really cool story, but if you dig deep, it's amazing. All of this extra information you can truly find if you're willing to give the time and if you're willing to sit in that word of God. That's true. That's really well said. I would agree with that. For people who want to learn more about your book, want to pick it up, or maybe want to learn more about you, how can they go about doing that? Well, one of the easiest ways is I have a faculty uh, webpage on Miller College of the Bible. So you can go to that website and you can contact me through that. I'm also on Facebook. And so some people don't like different social media platforms, but they can always go to my professional website on Miller College of the Bible. Thank you so much for making time for us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Colleen. I appreciate it as well. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.